Welcome to Funding Quest, where our quest is to help you find the best funding for your business. I'm your host, Byron Allen, and today I'm joined with Gary Sultanian. Gary is the president of Arizona Construction Management, a funds control company that gives business owners and lenders the confidence that their construction loans are properly proceeding and the contractors are doing the work they are being paid for. In the first part of a two-part series, Gary will share insights into how construction loans, often seen as a riskier venture, can be safely and competently managed. Well, we're excited today to have with us Gary Sultanian. He's the president of Arizona Construction Management Company. And Gary's been in the construction industry since 1984. Uh, with extensive experience in land entitlement work and, uh, and started Arizona Construction Management in 2006 after seeing that there's a need to provide construction services to lenders to reduce their construction-related risks. And so we as American Life Financial has engaged Gary on several occasions to provide construction funds control services to us and uh, he's he's been phenomenally valuable and helpful to us in in uh, reducing and mitigating that risk of related to construction loans, and so I thought it would be very appropriate for him to come and and share with our audience what values can construction management services provide uh, for the small business owner for lenders. Uh, what are those risks, etc. So we've got we've got some exciting questions that I'm going to be asking Gary. And so Gary, thank you very much for for joining us. And I'll just start with the question: How did you decide to get into this business? Well, first off, I'd like to say thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Uh, I value your company very much. Uh, I, I decided to get into this business because I've been doing this for a long time. And uh, construction uh, services companies tend to provide the same type of product over and over. So after I received my MBA from ASU, I was thinking of ways to differentiate from everybody else. What, what would be the value in the marketplace for me and in terms of construction? And what I found was there's a lot of risk on the lending side. So if I can leverage both the, uh, my background in construction, the vertical side and land development side of construction, and blend it with my degrees in finance, I would have a product I could present to a lender to say, let's work on a way to reduce your lending risk. Because in the old days, what used to happen is on a construction loan, uh, the lender would send out a representative, and that representative would go and say, yes, I see some sticks, I see some wood up, therefore the framing is correct, and go back and fund. Well, by default, you can just assume or imagine the types of problems or issues that would take place, especially when you have several million dollars at risk on a construction project. So that differentiating factor for Arizona construction management uh, would be the underlying reason why I got into the services industry and primarily funds control. I uh, did have a, a substantial experience in funds control working for another company uh, in my past. That's all I did was funds control. So for two years I was immersed into their technology and I gained all that knowledge. They unfortunately, you know, in the recession back in 2004, or the beginnings of it, we saw the writing on the wall and that company decided to close its doors, but I was left with that knowledge. And that's when I decided to leverage that in 2006, starting Arizona Construction Management. Excellent, so, excellent. Yeah. So you, you mentioned some of the risks associated with it. So let's talk to that 
and as far as some of the benefits of, you know, both you mentioned the lenders, but also the business owner benefits from making sure that the construction work is done properly and everyone is paid properly and, and such, right? So exactly. can you share some of that? What are those benefits to the sure. business owner as well? Absolutely. I think that's really important. So, I mean, right now, because of the markets, we're seeing a lot of things happening, right? There are more lenders in the marketplace because money is readily available. Number two, we are, there are more contractors in the business and, and also the business owners are seeing, because of the economic conditions, seeing and looking for ways to expand their businesses, right? So uh, what, do, what do business owners really want? So I think, in my view, many business owners just assume that if they're providing a great product and they're following up their customers and providing great service, that they can grow their business. And on the most part, that can be true. But those uh, entrepreneurs that are looking for ways to really differentiate their, themselves and grow strategically, they have to really take a hard look at themselves, their businesses, and where do they want to go. So I do believe that construction financing is a way for business owners to actually look at how can I grow my business, whether it's uh, growing uh, facilities, just improving their existing facilities that they are now, warehousing, storage capabilities, so you name it. How could they use the construction uh, industry to help grow their business, you know, professionally to, uh, for the long term, right, to sustain that? So I think that the more you differentiate yourself, like I was talking about earlier, the better off you're going to be as a business owner. So that's kind of like what, what we're looking at right now. Okay. And so as a construction management slash funds control company, describe some of those services that you provide. Sure. Um, so Arizona Construction Management is, is, uh, has three divisions. I'm a, a general contractor, B1 commercial general contractor. That's one division. So we build stuff. Number two, we're a project management company, which is typically large-scale projects like churches, schools, hotels. And we basically oversee the general contractor. Or a business owner, would, if they have multiple or investor groups who have multiple projects, they would hire the project manager to oversee all of them, contracts, billing, et cetera. And then there's the funds control side of things to where I act, actively become an extension of the lender's uh, department, the billing department, to where I would handle the draw requests and uh, process them, verify, and submit to the title company those results. This way we could reduce the risk of the construction financing altogether. So I think what would happen would be the um, borrower, business owner, would go to a lender, say I, wanted, I would qualify for a construction loan. The, the lender would then contact me with the, with the budget, uh, who the general contractor is, and all the pertinent information, I would meet with the general contractor and the owner and then just take over and literally process the whole loan. So on a monthly basis or whatever's agreed to, uh, the lender would simply receive the approvals because I would be acting as an agent uh, for, the, for the lender. They would receive the, the approvals and would simply fund after the title endorsement has been made by the title company, right? So that's the process. So they would be dealing directly with me rather than going to the lender. Now, there are benefits to that. Uh, so construction professionals typically aren't finance professionals. And the reverse is true. So what I do is I actually speak construction and I also speak finance. So there's a, there's a deep difference between taking 30 to 60 and sometimes 90 days to fund a project because of miscommunication, not understanding what was going on. You said you were going to do this, but you didn't. I come in and say, this is what they want, and this is what they mean. Can you do it? Yes, if we do that. So I'll negotiate the terms of the agreements, and therefore the funding process is a breeze. 
Excellent. Okay. I love that. So there is a term called course of construction risk management. Tell us about that and what that is. Sure. And that's a great question, actually, because course of construction is typically tied to insurance policies, a builder's risk policy. But I use course of construction as actually the, the critical construction points in a, in a project, starting from the site development to the foundations of the buildings to all the various aspects of the vertical construction elements of those buildings, whether it's residential or commercial, they still have the basic processes involved. So course of construction allows me to determine percentage complete. And that's basically how lenders look at projects. You know, they say, well, where are they? So if they want, uh, let's say, a half a million dollars for a, a draw request, we'll look at it and say, well, where are we in the construction process? Well, I typically know that framing is around 20%, 20 to 25%. Is that 20 to 25% of the total budget? So if we're framing, we're only at 25%, but we've already dispersed 80%, there's a problem. So, of course, construction allows me to identify the stages and percentages of construction as we go and clearly define the uh, parameters of that. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So, what type of companies use funds control services? Well, it's been interesting because I never really thought about those markets until I really immersed myself into it. So, what I have found over the years since 2006 is I've been contacted by many different types of organizations. I'll just read off a very brief list of that. You know, we're starting with, of course, commercial and private lenders. Sometimes they're called hard money lenders, but they're more private lenders that use investors, you know, to back their uh, financing. We've got small business administration uh, lenders. Title companies use my services because they have a project where they need inspections or uh, some sort of project management to verify. We have uh, small business owners. We have other types of construction entities, uh, even, even general contractors, contact my business as well for that type of guidance. So it's really across the gamut on who will really uh, use my services. Right. Yeah. Good, good. And so given your experience here, you'll know the different types of financing as well, right? You're working a lot with different types of lenders. You m mentioned a few of them. What type of financing is happening right now in construction lending? So what I love to see is strategic lending. So bundling, you know, you, you know, like you have TV commercials and everyone's bundling everything, whether it's insurance products or communications products or whatever it is, I think lending products can be bundled too. Uh, and the, what I mean by that is typically we say, I just want a construction loan. Well, that's wonderful, but what happens after that? Um, you'll find that some lenders appreciate the fact that they're bundling with more permanent financing with a construction loan because it allows a little bit of more of a relaxed policy because we know we're gonna get the permanent financing anyway. So, so mm -hmm. what is that? That's risk. So construction loans are risky, but they're also very profitable. And some lenders have in the past been hesitant to go into that market because of that risk. Well, I step in and provide that barrier between the profitability and the risk. So that's what I do. So what do I see? So there are three types of loans out there or the criteria, the underwriting behind it. Credit, so their ability and willingness to pay that loan, their credit risk is one. The other one is a, an asset-based type of lending to where what are the assets that are underlying the project? Does the owner of the property own the land? So there's the asset-based, and so the credit risk is not so much important anymore where it used to be when it was on the credit-based financing, right? So the assets will help with that process. And then thirdly, there's the hybrid, where we're seeing both asset-based uh, lending but combined with the credit history, therefore we can see very competitive rates out there because 
they, they're more comfortable lending that way, right? Which leads us to the different types of loans that are out there, right? So we have construction financing, mezzanine financing, and then permanent financing. So if there's an equity requirement uh, for a particular lender and, they, and the owner or the borrower can't seem to reach that percentage equity that needs to be there, they can use uh, something called mezzanine financing or gap financing that would help provide an equity infusion into the project. So it's still debt, but in, depending on the way it's structured, mezzanine financing covers that gap uh, to where a lender may have an option to convert that uh, financing into an equity portion of it. So, But that's very detailed, and they range across the board in terms of what mezzanine financing really is. But just it's a gap. And then you get the permanent financing, which is the loan, the mortgage itself. So if you've got a lender that has a construction loan, but they know that that loan's going to be now taken out, by the, by the mortgage that's owned by that lender, you can see the bundling and how that works in everyone's favor. Mm -hmm. So walk us through, if you would, the, the typical process of a construction loan, right? From you mentioned, the lender will basically notify you and introduce you to the contractor and, and the project. And I do recognize that not all construction loans are made equal, right? It's that some of those construction loans are literally from dirt to a completed building, and, and sometimes you'll be brought in midway through it, right? right. But, but for, for sake of just helping our audience understand what to expect going into a construction loan, if, if they decide, I do want to expand, I want to build a new building, I want to add on to my existing property or something like that, what is typically that process? And maybe the time frame would also be helpful. Absolutely. So. You mentioned um, ongoing, right? Ongoing construction. So that's something that's called broken priority. Right? So broken priorities used to be taboo. Um, title companies did not want to insure these, those loan requests. Lenders didn't want to lend on broken priorities. And broken priority is simply defined as a construction project that's already started before the loan is in place. Therefore, the deed of trust has not been recorded. So the lender does not have first priority on the, on the deed of trust. So that's pretty, pretty much the goal of lenders to have first priority, to protect themselves against default, right? But when you use a funds control company, that broken priority becomes less of an issue. And because of our presence in that construction process, the title company is more willing to issue a date down endorsement uh, for that draw request, because each draw request that's made by the borrower is insured by a title company, every one of them. It's they don't simply just insure the loan itself, they insure each draw for the up to that date, which protects the lender in case of default, right? So that's where we're at. So broken priority uh, comes to play when there's already construction started. I just want to make that clear. So if someone says to a small business owner, well, there's broken priorities, don't, don't pack your bags and go to somewhere else because that's not a problem anymore. We work through that always, right? And I'll typically meet with a title company to talk about those broken priorities and how we fix it. So a funds control company reduces the risk and allows the title company to be more comfortable ensuring that particular draw request. So there's a contract that's involved between me, the lender, and the borrower. It's a three-way contract uh, as a funds control manager. And it gives me the access to the property. It gives me the right to demand uh, documentation, which is critically important. Once that happens and the contract has been authorized, the introductions are made uh, to the owner and then to the general contractor. Uh, and it's okay sometimes to, uh, for the owner to be his or her own contractor as well. 
it's not required on private residences, but when you get into commercial projects that involve other people walking through doorways and going under the buildings, then that becomes commercial and the, the requirements are different and you need a general contractor by law to do that, right? So what I do then, once I receive the documentation I need and the phone numbers, I'll call the general contractor and usually maybe go out to lunch with them and sit down with them and tell them, this is what I do. Don't be worried about me because I'm going to make your life very simple. Um, I don't know what it is sometimes with inspection companies or other companies that act as intermediaries between the lender and the borrower, but there seems to be this disconnect and to where there's all these demands and, boy, you're asking for 100 linear feet of baseboard and I don't see that there, so we're cutting that out. So as a general contractor, I understand what those other general contractors want and how they do it, so I can see it. And there's really no way to get around the details. So you have to play the game. You have to play by the rules. If you don't play by the rules, guess what? You're not going to get the money. So there's a little comfort level involved with everybody. As long as the general contractor knows that up front, I think that everyone's in a good place. So um, I get the loan request from the contractor, and I have explained to them already what I need. And I've already sent to them my platform. So it's a user, the end user platform that they're going to receive has all the documents that they would ever need for construction process. They simply enter the information in and it fills out the documents for them and they submit that every single draw request. And I'll take a look at it. And if I've got all the documentation, then I'll go to the site and inspect it. I'll inspect what they're looking at. So part of the process is identifying what's being requested, whether it's materials or labor, Who's getting paid is really important. So the contractor will understand that he needs to submit a package with all the details. Who are the subcontractors? What are they being paid? And I'll have to evaluate their invoices. So it's very detailed. It's just an audit format is what I go through. It's consistent. It doesn't change for any project. It's still the same audit process. Once I determine that uh, everything's legit, uh, the work has been done, uh, then I will then approve that application, submit a letter report, and submit it to the lender, who then, in turn, submits to the title company that particular draw request. Once that's been approved and the insurance policy's been issued, then the funds are then wired or mailed, however they want to handle it. So that's a process that we, that we go through every single time. Um, one of the questions I do get a lot from owners is, oh, you know what, Gary, we just submitted our draw request. You proved it. Thank you very much. We forgot to add $50,000 worth of uh, lumber materials. So there are things called special inspections that, uh, or special requests that I get that don't require inspections that I will just simply verify with the supplier. And I'll call, uh, let's say it's uh, Alliance Lumber Company. I'll call them up and say, is this your estimate? Yes. Is this for this project? Yes, it is. Legit? Yes. We'll go ahead and advance the money for that as long as we have an estimate. But then at the end... On the next draw application, I'll have to look at those receipts and make sure that they uh, follow through on what they said they were going to do. So this is all about risk mitigation and a system of checks and balances. And like I said earlier, it's just really no way to get around it because I've seen it all. I know what, what happens, and so it's, it's a good process to go through. So that's kind of like what to expect. The beautiful thing about this whole thing is that it doesn't take 60 days or 30 days. Sometimes it does. And what happens is these contractors are busy and they're working and they're trying to get their subcontractors in line. And it's hard to find contractors in the first place. So if you're not paying them, they're not working. So my commitment to the borrower and the contractor is within 10 days you're going to be paid. 
if it's out of my control and the title company, for whatever reason, well, you know, we just experienced two years of COVID-related absences and, and other issues causing delays and, and material shortages, I get that part. Uh, so sometimes title companies or wh whoever is working with these processes may not have enough staff. That would really be the only delay. So I'm usually on the project within a week approving this stuff. If everything goes well, they'll be funded within 10 days. They can pay their subs instead of waiting all the time while they have multiple applications being submitted and they still haven't been paid for the first one yet. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's kind of like what the process is in a nutshell. Right. And with regard to timing, like what is typically, you talked about timing as far as paying these uh, draw requests, but <clears throat> I guess it is it just completely dependent on the project as far as what to expect if a business owner says, I want to build a new, you know, warehouse for, for my business, what should I expect that will take in time? Great. So that's really important because uh, part of your budget is also your time. So time is money too. So the longer your project takes to build, the more money it's going to cost you because interest is building, uh, materials are going up in price every day. Uh, it's, a, it's amazing. I mean, 30% increases every year in the lumber alone, if you can get it. You know, when you're paying $80 for a sheet of plywood, that's a lot of money. So you have to be spot on. So the faster we can move, the better off you're going to be. So I aid in that to getting everyone paid as fast as possible. So on a commercial project, so I, I do projects ranging from churches to hospitals to schools to custom homes to Del Tacos, all these types of things. It depends on that type of project, but they all follow the same type of path. So I would just say that if you're planning for uh, 12 to 15 months to complete a project, that's a good timeline. Uh, I would say anything less than that would be ideal, but it's really hard to do that, especially for a custom home. The bigger projects tend to move a little bit quicker because the contract subcontractors know that they're going to be paid and that they're, they're, they're moving quickly, right? Uh, they can get their work done. With homes, it doesn't really work that way sometimes because there's always these mitigating factors uh, owner changes and things like that that get in the way of subcontractors doing their work. So I would say commercial projects really move the fastest, where residential do not. But a good rule of thumb is plan for 15 months. That would be a good timeline. Excellent. Thank you. So I wanted to share from the perspective of a lender, right? I think there's a lot of value, and, and I can just share my experience, right, of the comfort level that the lender has knowing that they've got an independent, experienced professional watching the hen house, right? That uh, you, as a general contractor by trade, in your previous profession, you can speak the language, you can look at a site and tell, yes, this is being done to code or this is not being done to code. Uh, they're invoicing for this, but that's not what's happening, right? You you can make that judgment. As a lender, we may or may not be qualified to do that, mostly not. <laughs> and so so I know that, that that's a great help. And I would expect for our audience business owners, that would be helpful too, to know they've got a professional that is overseeing the contractor. They may have a lot of trust in that contractor. Maybe they know the contractor, maybe they don't. But Either way, knowing that someone professionally is watching and making sure that the subs are, are getting paid and, and, and the material is being provided that they're paying for, etc. Because at the end of the day, this is the business owner's money. Yeah. Even if it's through a loan, it's still the business owner owns, owns that money. So it's their money at the end of the day. 
and it's their project. It's their right. It, right. So so I think there's a lot of value that that the business owner can recognize. So maybe to that end. Um, Talk about what are the costs of this service, right? To, to, to have this benefit, what should they expect it would cost? Sure. You know, you know so let's, let's be uh, straight here. I mean, a construction project for a business owner, this is their baby. And we want to make this a positive experience because just making that decision to expand operations or build a new facility or whatever you want to do with construction financing, the stuff you have to go through to get the financing is stressful enough sometimes, right? It depends on the lender, but most of the lenders that I work with are great to work with, and, and they, they're, they're just a quality organization. But you can't stop the internal stress that a borrower goes through, right? So what am I going to do? Am I going to pile on that stress, or am I going to make it simpler and easier for that for the uh, borrower? So my goal is to do that, is to just remove all that stuff away from uh, the borrower. So, of course, there are fees associated with that type of service, right? My fees are generated through the loan itself. So that's the way funds control companies work. They're actually, uh, my fees are actually part of the loan itself. So the, the owner knows this up front because that's part of the signing. So at the signing close of escrow, the owner is actually signing my contract too uh, as a funds control manager. My fees are clearly listed on there. And then it comes out as a draw. The first draw comes to me as, as my project management fee. The project management fee exists so I can process all the lien waivers, process all the applications, provide feasibility and due diligence for the budget. My uh, advice is not in substitution of, of that or expertise on construction, so my inspections do not replace the municipality's inspection authority. They merely supplement it. So I verify with the municipality that this work has been done. I verify with the contractor that your budget is in line. Many times I'll see a budget that doesn't accurately reflect the situation, the project itself. To me, that's a red flag because the contractor really doesn't care. As long as this guy gets his financing, I'll get paid. But when it comes to me, I want to say, yes, but you're saying you want $100,000 for a concrete slab that's, that's you know, 50 by 50 feet. What are you talking about here? What, is, what do you really mean? And that really tones down everybody and keeps everybody honest, if you will. So that, that's what that project management fee is. It, it takes care of it's one time and it takes care of all the loan administration and draw administration ongoing. I don't care if it takes 12 months to 20 months, it's still ongoing, the, the draw process. Then there are the individual inspection fees, which are the report fees. So that's the audit each time, 15 audits or whatever that is. And that is also considered a draw request. And that's funded, uh, so when, you, when the borrower gets paid the money, I get paid mine, and that's included in that draw request. So it's all part of the loan, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As we heard today, Gary thoroughly outlined the process of how construction loans are processed and utilized. He provided some helpful timelines for what you could expect for a construction loan. My key takeaway is the importance of communication between both sides, the lender and the construction contractors. Like Gary emphasized, if there isn't strong communication, there can be confusion about payments, timelines, and expectations. Save yourself some of the hassle and ensure that all parties for the construction understand each other. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to the second half of this conversation next week.